0: in social work you learn two things one relationships are everything and two to trust the process and so i'm just having this massive trust of of this vision and this massive trust of i know people well enough and skill people skills well enough to combat any anything that can happen
1: yeah
2: yeah that's what relationship skills give you is the ability to, to navigate anything, anything mm-hmm. life has to throw at us, we can navigate through relationship, healthy relationship mm-hmm. skills. Welcome to the Relational Parenting Podcast. I'm Jennifer Hayes, a parent coach and 20-year child care veteran. Each week, I sit down with my own father, Rick Hayes, and discuss the complicated issues that parents face today, as well as some of the oldest questions in the book. From the latest research and the framework of my relational parenting method, we offer thought-provoking solutions to your deepest parenting struggles. Added bonuses include intergenerational wounding discussions and guest childcare experts. We will also start taking your parenting questions in episode five. So be sure to comment with your biggest questions or email me directly at jenny at jennyb.co. Let's get started. Welcome back, everybody, to the Relational Parenting Podcast. We are here <laughs> with my friend Emily Blake. Welcome, Emily.
0: Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here.
1: Hi, yeah.
2: Emily. We Thank are you. so excited to have you. Um, ever since you and I spoke earlier this year, I have just, I just, have, you're just so innovative. And I love what you're doing um, as a single mom and um, the, the community that you're creating for other single moms um, so that you don't have to single parent anymore. You can co-parent with other yeah other women. Um, it's absolutely amazing. And now you are actually launching like the full-blown community service, uh, and, and let's see, you're calling it Kintopia.
0: Yeah. Cool. Yes. So, are you excited? This started as, um, as an experiment, right? Um, in 2018, I had my son and became a single mom. I never really wanted to be a single mom. Like, I don't think that's something anybody ever sets out to do. Right. Um, <laughs> I, I was also raised by a single mom. And I deeply recognized, like, all of the, the challenges that we had as a family, and so I really took the time to be like, you know what? I'm I'm really great at a few things. I'm a social worker, and I'm really amazing at cultivating, creating community. And if I'm going through these single parenting challenges with with now a baby, um, and also these housing challenges, then I can't be the only mom that's only single parent that's going through this, right? And so I thought, could I? I started. Um, this co-living idea as a experiment. Could I create a community where we would, yeah. we could all come together and really support and help each other. And the resounding response over four years is absolutely yes. This is highly yeah. needed and we continually have a wait list. And so, like you mentioned, I'm launching Kentopia to create more co-living communities for, you know, the non-typical families. Um, And I've cultivated enough, uh, experience over the past four years to know what works really, really well in co-living and to ask, you know, the right kind of interview questions to find, uh, the best kind of pairs for, for co-living success. Yeah.
2: So what are, what are some of the things that you, that are part of your interview question checklist of like pairing, yourself because you you yourself uh, live in a co-living situation, correct um, So what are some yeah. of the questions um, that you that you ask to make sure people are kosher and and match up for living together and parenting together because that's hard enough to find in part committed romantic partners, <laughs> let alone strangers right?
0: Yes. Um, and yeah. so most mom, mom, unes or, um, co-living situations, it's usually friends that decide, you know, we've known each other for a long time. We trust each other. Our kids like each other. Let's, let's move in. Let's, let's cohabitate and make life better as a result of community. Um, so utopia is different in that you're meeting basically strangers, but I call them future friends, future mommy. Um, <laughs> yeah. and yeah. What, I've, what I've learned that works really, really well is, okay, so when I first started this in 2018 or 2019, I was like, anybody that wants to co-live, come live. And then over that period of time, I've learned, um, there's definitely, I've had like hard learned lessons around what works and what doesn't work. So if you're Uh just looking to co-living, you save money, it ultimately will not work. You have to look to co-living for community. And the definition of community is what you put in, is what you can expect to get out. It is the cyclical giving, loving type of a relationship, right? And if people are coming to community, just yeah. expecting to take from community, it won't work. Um, if people are coming to community um, and just all always giving, it won't work either. It is this cyclical give, take, relationships um the other thing that work that I've learned um with co-living with littles co-living with kids it's one thing to just Mm -hmm. have roommates and like come up with systems for you know cleaning but it's another thing when you have kids and so the kid aspect means um you have to have similar parenting styles so like Mm -hmm. I don't yell at my son so I learned you know that that's really important to me when another mom yelled at my son and I was like ooh. Oh no no, no.
1: <laughs> 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 voices. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah, I don't um like I'm very mindful in like my discipline style. Um and like I deeply believe, you know, about breaking generational curses so that our kids are not raised by like the traumas that raised us, you know. And so yeah. I've done deep healing work in myself and I really support that for other uh, other moms. And um I don't I don't yell at him, I don't spank him. Um, and there have been, you know, definite moments where, and this is also where I love about co-living is because in, I co-live with two other single moms. And so I'm able to tell them like the highest vision of my, of who I want to be as a mom. And then what's nice mm-hmm. is they can hold me accountable for that the moments where I'm not being my best uh-huh. self. I just had a hard day and the moms are being like, Hey, Em, you go take a break. You know, we got Jaden for a little bit and I'm like, like you know there are those <laughs> moments like we have who we want to be and then we have the hard days when everything's uh-huh. hitting the fan and we're not our best selves and I'm not coming to parenting as my best self. I'm coming as you know tired, worn out, and, you know, I have a you know, I do Kintopia, but I also do grant writing uh, consulting full time. And so when I have like a ton of clients, a, lo- a long day, and I'm not coming to parenting as my best self, it really helps to have partners in this co- co-living and co-parenting journey where, yeah. you know, if I'm at like 15%, maybe they're at 50, maybe they're at 60. And then together we have much closer to 100% that we can all share yes. and, and help. the kids.
2: I love that. That's so, that's so important in any living situation. Um, to, I talked maybe a couple of episodes ago about how my husband and I do, we do the percentage system where we share if he's coming home from work or I'm coming home from work or we're, you know, whatever we're, we're having our reunion of the day. Um, we always let each other know, not always but usually uh where we're at percentage wise so that the other person knows what to expect um energetically and what that person needs um you know there's days he comes home and I can jump on him and tell him you know chatterbox about my day and there's days that he's like I'm at zero I need ve- like quiet he's a nurse so he mm-hmm. just hears beeping in his head all day and he's just like I just need silence um, so that I can prepare myself to not jump on him and and unload and and all of those things. And I think that that's, I love that you use that system. Um, I also love that you guys are using, like you're holding each other accountable. That's really hard to do. That's really hard to be receptive to um, is that reflection from other people Um, and it really only works if you've like verbalized it out loud in an agreement together to say, Hey, like Mm -hmm. we all want to be the best parent that we can be. Um, and I'm willing to accept your feedback when I am not fulfilling that promise to myself or to my child. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. and you know, it sounds like you guys aren't like, it sounds like you're doing it In in a in a loving way, you know the way that you parent your children is reflected in the way that you talk to each other. When it's like, hey, you know your your roommates, your mom mates aren't like Emily, dude, chill, like calm down, you're being a jerk to your kid right now. They're like, hey, you know it sounds like you've had a really hard day. Like, why don't you go take care of yourself, take a bath or whatever. Like, we've got Jaden, everything's cool here. Like, like go take care of yourself. Like, we're here for you. Everything's going to be okay.
0: Yeah, it's, it's much. So, um, in the interview process, we talk about like the systems and, um, our communication styles, what works really well for us. Um, and one of my goals is to, is to have that level of accountability to, to ask, you know, the, um, the mommates, you know, this is, this is something that is important to me around being a parent, um, Is this something that you're you know open to? And nine times out of ten, people are super open to the growth level of parenting. There are two things in life that have made me uh, a better person. It's Mm -hmm. definitely parenting and entrepreneurship. Like each of these challenges have made me grow as a person so much that you know it's Yes. mm -hmm. And I, I think I find the people uh, that are also really interested in, um, you know, becoming the best versions of ourselves, becoming, um, better for our kids, putting our kids in a better, uh, path than we might've had ourselves having our kids have like really empowering, loving journeys. I told one of the moms yesterday, I was like, I'm on this mission in entrepreneurship so that Jaden never knows what an overdraft fee is. You know, like I want to make sure that he, mm. um, you know, like I, how many times I've had overdraft fees that just, you know, have like made me like paralyzed, or I'm just like, oh, I want to call the bank and try to negotiate this overdraft. There are these like nine overdraft fees that hit? And, you know, I'm just like, I never want Jaden to experience that. I want him to experience like the fullness of life and really, um, setting him up in like an entrepreneurial journey early on. So he knows like this reciprocal relationship around the energy that you give and how much, how much you help other people is what you, the currency of life and you can expect that back. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm, (laughs) I'm, I'm excited to meet other single moms that are interested in, you know, kind of these growth, like personal, professional growth, entrepreneurship and, um, and co-parenting journeys. And I deeply believe that in community, um, we become better. We're, we're better as a result. So like Kintopia, the name of Kintopia came as a result. I did a 60 second documentary and one of the comments, the mom said, oh, this is like a momtopia. And I was like, yeah, but mm. I don't want to limit it to just moms. There was a time when like, I couldn't, during the pandemic, I couldn't mm. find a mom and a single dad was like, I know this is just for this, typically has just been for moms but would you be open to a single dad and at the time I was a little bit desperate and I was like sure um and it actually worked out really beautiful yeah. it was actually really wonderful my son you know is typically around so many women from at um at school and um and here and so I was like it was really nice having yes. <coughs> having a father figure that Jaden and also I don't want I don't want to play fight. so when my five-year-old comes and like jumps on me I'm like no Absolutely not fun. But the dad was fighting <laughs> and beating him up with pillows. And I was like, oh, my God, thank you. I needed this. So I love the idea of... Yeah. I chose Kintopia for the idea of, like, unconventional families, whether you're a single mom or dad, whether you're a grandma raising kids, um, raising your grandkids, like, whatever your unconventional family looks like, it can be made
1: better in community. So... Continue i love that. the um, uh the uh there's so many parallels to what you're doing that would be healthy in conventional families i i thank you right? for using that word conventional you know it wouldn't hurt conventional families to do a lot of this talking about parenting styles you know all the screening that you do really everybody Needs to do that. The accountability, the, the growth mindset, you know, mm-hmm. these are all so important in in uh, relationships. Mm-hmm. I I gotta caution you about Jaden and the overdrafts, though. Some kids, you know, they they gotta learn how to manage money. Oh. That's a that's a great hope, um, but <laughs> awesome. uh, boy, you can always spend more than you have. <laughs> well. How old's Jaden? Jaden is five,
0: so he just started kindergarten, and five. He's been struggling kindergarten too, so that's a whole new transition. So having other moms, um, roommates, her, um, her son is eight, and so she's like, "Oh yeah, I've been been through this transition. Um, I'm working with like the school to advocate my son get on an IEP, and so navigating that, and so she's been able to help me, like, you know, guide me with that some of that, and so it's it's really made. Like parenting nicer. And so I think that the fear that comes up that people have is, um, you know, just the unknown of like, I don't know how this other person parents or, um, you know, it actually like living with other women, that sounds terrible. Yeah. I've that, that feedback before. Um, and the idea of like, not just kin, like meaning family, but kinship right like this idea that like if we have no peace like mother teresa said if we have no peace it is because we have forgotten that we belong to each other right and so our de- our yeah. definition yeah. is it's reflecting this unshakable innate goodness within the human family like this deep abiding care and love and um and compassion that we can have for each other and when you enter an agreement with that at the forefront that's the that's the goal um It lets in grace and forgiveness and um, openness for, Mm -hmm. you know, like the mishaps that are bound to happen because the other thing I've known as a social worker is we are all our complete selves and then life, we we bump up against each other. Like, I don't know if you guys have ever uh, read the four agreements, but the one agreement that you, you, you just, you can't take anything personally. Like, it's not about everybody's Mm -hmm. navigating this world in their own world. And so when you're bumping up against each other, um, the other thing that I lay out in the community is like systems and processes for open and clear communication, that we are not mind readers, that we have to um, express ourselves and express what, you know, what little thing is getting on our nerves that becomes a big thing if you don't talk about it. Right. And so having regular, yeah. we have weekly family dinners. Um, and then we have, um, we also do like, uh, monthly like spa days and, regular, like meetings without the kids. So getting a sitter and then the moms just get together and can talk about, you know, what's going really well, what's not going as well. And communication becomes such a key element of successful co-living and, but you have to build it in.
2: Yeah. Well, it sounds like, I mean, you're literally bringing in people and or counseling people, um, on healthy relationship skills. Like you're, yeah. you're literally bringing people in, you're discussing how to communicate, how to like, like you're talking about a growth mindset. You're talking about people who are willing and op- like open to give reflection and receive reflection who are not going to take things personally, who can step up when one parent is struggling. Um, like you're, 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 and then you're, you know, you specifically are talking about your parenting style and and you know the things that are non-negotiables for you, like yelling and and hitting and things like that. And so like you're literally creating communities and build like helping other people build relationships. And you're also attracting people who are interested in really healthy relationships, um, and living in peace and growth together. Um, and so not only are you facilitating help and community for parents who are on their own and struggling, but you're also facilitating, Children growing up in an environment full of healthy relationship examples
1: mhm mm-hmm. more than just one, hopefully you know the, the primary relationship, but developing that extended family or that kinship, you know that close family relationship with people in the community you have so many you have so, so many more resources, so many skill sets, so many points of view. Um, Mm -hmm. to draw on that, that sounds like, uh, that really kind of sounds old timey where the the family homestead is, you know, everybody's near one another, everybody, there's a lot of family nearby. That sounds, uh, that sounds incredibly helpful in this day and age.
0: Yeah. Thank you. People have told me like, oh, you're, um, I'm such an optimist, right? Like even in the work that I do with grant writing, um, (laughs) Writing for and like writing like creating funds for like ending systems of oppression and creating systems of care. I deeply believe that communities like this, mm-hmm. Adrian Marie Brown calls them fractals, right? They become fractals of what's possible for the collective. Mm-hmm. And so that's the other reason why I started I wanted to crowdfund for Kintopia is to create more fractals, more proof points that this you know, utopia of, uh, of kinship is really possible for all human families and making sure that you have the, um, the tools and resources and support ready. Um, that's like a built-in system within a home, um, that then we can also extrapolate to, you know, in systems of oppression, like mass incarceration, and create more systems of care, support, mm-hmm. love, that end up having mm-hmm. a much greater return on investment and um, much greater, like, care beats any s- system of harm or oppression, hands down. And I deeply believe we are at this uh-huh. unique piss in, you know, human history, where we are going to start seeing a shift towards care.
1: I I think you're right. I think you're right. There's a, there's a social evolution. While you were describing that the word social evolution came to mind, you know, as society gets more fragmented, you're putting out, you're, you're being a little, a little core. I like the word fractal too. Uh, Little pieces of DNA out that are now out in the, out in the gene pool, you know, that can be recombined. We're figuring out, society is figuring out how to move forward you know, with the, with the uh, digital, the social media, with all the things that have fragmented us uh, mm-hmm. in, la- in recent decades, you know, you, you seem to be on the forefront of uh, figuring out a better way forward through that. That's really good to see.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's just, I think the next iteration of society that we create is going to center community, collaboration, connection, um, our innate human goodness Um, and I'm excited to, um, support showing fractals of spaces that it's happening and possible. Yeah.
2: And you're really, you're really setting up these fractals. Um, you're, you're not just like creating it and, and being like, okay, good luck. You're really, it sounds (laughs) like you have systems, in place where you're setting everybody up
0: for success. And I I live in the community too. So like I benefit by with the systems and processes. And one of my greatest um, two yeah. of my greatest values are peace and joy. Like in my home, I want to also have peace mm-hmm. and have an abundance of joy. And so these systems and setting up so that I can live yeah. my best life and I'm also I love community. It's another key value of mine. And so I'm, I literally get to live with in, uh, you know, in a shared living co-living environment. And I want to share that with others with Kentopia. Yeah. I love it. It's such an Fantastic.
2: amazing project. And you've been working on this since 2018. Is that correct? Or at least this has been a, an idea for you since
0: 2018. Yeah, so I had my son in twenty eight uh, April twenty twenty eighteen, um, and then at the time I was um, I was living with a, a friend and a roommate, and it ultimately just didn't work out because you know in theory people are like yeah babies are great but then when the baby is actually crying at three o'clock in the morning and you have to get up and manage a restaurant my roommate managed a restaurant in Culver <laughs> City so she was just like you know what in theory this this was huh. beautiful and in practice it's just not going to work. And so I was yeah. in the challenge. I had. I faced some, this house also came out of an experience of I've always had roommates in Los Angeles. And after I had my son, I experienced so much housing discrimination because, oh, people don't want to live with, with uh, you know, other kids that aren't theirs. And, you know, I was like, oh, mm. mind blown. Like, mm. that or that or that or that. Let me figure out, you know, does would this 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 house also started as an experiment of would other single moms want to live with kids that aren't theirs. And the response has been a resounding, absolutely. Like, yes, sign us up. Um, and then, um, the practice of it. So this, the, I wasn't able to actually get the house. So it's a two bedroom, sorry, a five bedroom, two bathroom, two story house near downtown LA. Um, and the way that I secured the house was around, um, in the summer of 2019. Um, and so in the beginning, I was like, I posted to to Facebook and I was I was basically like, any single moms, like, let's do this. And there were crickets at first. It was like, oh, nobody's nobody's gonna come co-live with me. How am I gonna pay all this rent? Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. it was it's pretty expensive. Yeah. And so I was like, oh no. And then I just kept like one of the things that I can credit to myself is um I'm a powerful like innovator and like, um, I just don't give up. So I was starting to post it online and then I was like, okay, let me post it to these other groups. And then by talking to different people, they told me about other like coabode, coabode.com. And so that like, it's literally a site for moms to connect. And I was like, oh, I'm not the first person that created this. Of course not. Like, nothing's new under the sun. I may be one of the first, yeah. try to formulate it so that it's actually like there's a lot of co-living communities but they typically fo- focus on mm-hmm. like the entertainment industry or like young younger people or you know older people with like mm-hmm. um co-living for like retirement folks but there's no real yeah. co-living communities for families um they're, and the ones that are yeah. out there are very very expensive and so the goal with Kintopia is to make it. Mm somewhat affordable and, um, and put a lot of like, uh, safeguards and processes and systems in place so that the relationships are really centered. And that's what makes it, you know, relationships and community and, and kinship is really centered and that's what makes it work.
2: Yeah. So do you, if there's, um, a, if there's ever a dispute that a co-living, you know, not in your, in your home, but in, but in another area, um, if there's ever a dispute or a disagreement or maybe two families or, or three families feel like they're a great fit and they move in together and, but things just aren't going well, what's kind of your, like, do you help them work through that? Do you help them, um, you know, kind of relocate, uh, what is the process for, um, you know, some of the very natural things that may come up as far as conflict or, um, things
0: not working out? That's a great question. And in four years of doing this, it absolutely has come up here, um, where, you know, maybe I said something that really rubbed someone the wrong way, or you know, um, yeah. maybe I wasn't involved, but it was between the other two roommates, and so they they almost needed like a mediator, right? Um, and so how we've handled yeah. it is very much like I anticipate and expect that people are going to have conflict. We're humans; like it's a part of human relationships yeah. that conflict comes up. One of the things. So I'm a social worker, and I've practiced restorative justice for the past. 15 years. And in restorative justice, transformational justice, it talks about like the repairing the harm and coming full circle back around to like center yeah. the relationship center, um, make amends that yes, I recognize that there was this harm that was done. And then you come back around to mm. you know, make amends and that amends can look different depending on the circumstance. Um, and so some of these things are agreements that are set up in the very beginning around, you know, these understandings that like, we are human, we, you know, hope for the best and we're going to be prepared that if we do have a conflict, that there is, you know, uh, processes in place that we will resolve conflict and resolve, resolve conflict quickly and ultimately, um, resolving the conflict with the respect of the dignity and value of every person involved. So everybody has a chance to be heard. Every person has a chance to, and these are also, I also, okay, I nerd out about conflict a little bit because it's also a growth opportunity. Like we bump up against each other because someone is touching a trigger point for of Mm -hmm. ours. And when, when when an unknown trigger point comes up, it's like, Oh, here's an opportunity for us to grow. Here's an opportunity for us to, like, and this is why it's also really important, I found in uh, interviewing moms, that the, the best fit moms are the ones that really best fit community members, moms, grandmas. Uh, uncles you know uh, even I've even had a um a mom or not a mom a roommate moved in and she was like I'll just be the rich auntie I was like yes we need rich aunties too so but the best (laughs) community members are the ones that um, you're like
2: hell yeah
0: (laughs) all the traditional roles yeah mm -hmm, they're the ones that are really open to this growth mindset this um recognizing like none of us are perfect people we all have our stuff we all have our baggage that we're carrying and are we willing to you know look at our muck look at our ugly sides and say this is something that i'm mm. i'm working on because i'm so focused on becoming this highest version of myself and you know with so many relationships around you're you're it's also like a gift to be able to work on yourself. And then the other thing that I've thought about, um, so currently, like, um, I've been renting to own the house with the company and I'm the only one on the lease. And, um, that's a lot of pressure. And so i um, with Kintopia, I'm creating yeah. a model where everybody's on the lease and everybody has shared benefit of renting, right? That creates this, you know, ultimately relationships are a lot of work. And for people to be invested in doing the work, they have to be incentivized. And so um, I'm, I'm working on creating a model in which you're, instead of just your down payment or your, you know, first month uh, rent, last month rent, going just towards um, rent and going to the landlord, um, it's, I'm going to create a bank for like a um, a rent to buy type program. So you create a bank and when you move out, you get this bank to, you know, buy a house and maybe, you know, you and a couple of other single moms really enjoyed co-living with each other. Here's an opportunity for you guys to uh, create an agreement and buy a home together. If things really worked out the way that, you know, if you guys really found people that they liked. Um, I also have this vision. So I'm working as a grant writer. Um, I'm working with an architect right now. And she was just like, I was kind of like, before we started doing more of the grant writing stuff, I was kind of complaining about, you know, I'm looking at a bunch of different places for other kintopias, and the issue always comes up that, you know, there's one opulent master bedroom, and then the rest of the rooms are kind of like rent, you know. Um, and so yeah. for it yeah. yeah. to really work, you want each of the moms to have their own like mama suite, you know, where you have a uh, a master type type suite, uh, bedroom and like a walk-in closet and a, you know, like an opulent soaked tub yeah. for you to like really relax, you know? And so I was telling, um, my architect, uh, friend that I'm writing or uh, client that I'm writing a grant for. And she was just like, why don't you build that? And I was like, wait, what? And she was like, yeah, you can get a home mm-hmm. and, you know, I'll help you design it. And that that's something you can build. And I was like, Oh, so that happened over the summer and that epiphany was like, oh, wow, I really do need to create Kintopia and create co-living spaces where each mom feels like we're thriving, like you're, you're, you get to live in your opulence. Yeah. Mm -hmm, Yeah.
1: mm -hmm. Another evolution. I love that. I love you talk about the the restitution, all these shared
0: playroom, having each of the, um, you know, kids rooms, like, you know, having, uh, younger. So I've also learned living, having the younger kids be able to like have a room together and having the older kids have a room together and then separating it by gender. So like, you know, younger girls, younger boys, um, older, older girls, older boys. Um, and then having like a massive like play area, having, um, you know, huge beautiful kitchen and then the idea okay so if I'm going to do like a luxury option of Kentopia when I really start to play with the idea I'm like hey then we can hire a nanny with like if there's seven moms yeah. seven to ten moms mm-hmm. together the cost of like you know two nannies becomes doable across seven to ten of us you know and then um, the cost of you know like a chef the cost of you know when I think about like what would our most opulent lives look like? And the days that I've <laughs> lost it on Jaden are the days that I didn't have any support. You know, I didn't have yeah. another mom there to like help me help him with his homework, get dinner on the table, uh, finish all my client work and make sure that he gets in bed. And then I'm able to wake up at 530 to get him to the you know bus at 6am the next morning. Like, we all need a little help. And so it's nice to be able to like, you know, come together and then we can collectively afford these services and we can collectively afford the support because it's one thing to rotate, you know, uh, babysitting. And it's another thing to, you know, hire a babysitter so that we all get a break. And so I want to be able to cost that out and include that in some of like, maybe the luxury options of the Kintopia of the future.
2: I was just going to say like you could even like I was just I was thinking like in within the community, whether it's two or three moms and or dads or seven to ten, like there's sh- you can you can rotate who's babysitting or who's got the kids. And so everybody gets a night out or a or a night off to just like Hello. be alone or something, you know, um, but how how much like even better, would it be to pool resources and like hire a nanny? Um, you know, if, if you're getting, I mean, in LA, I bet, I bet a good nanny costs a minimum of 30 bucks an hour. Um, and if that can be a $10 an hour thing split three ways or split seven ways, it's like $3 an hour, like how much more affordable and how much more often could you do that and have, like feel as a parent, like I I get a regular break, not just like once in a while Mm -hmm. if Mm -hmm. I can possibly scrape it in, but like we have built in, you know, twice a month, we all, we hire a nanny and we all get to do our own thing for the night or the day or whatever. Like, and, and then you get to come back as like, your cup is now full as a parent and you can be Like you can now pour from a full cup for your children.
0: Exactly, and this idea of
1: very interesting.
0: I really want everybody to like live their 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 highest visions for their life. And so I've met some moms that only want to be homemakers, and so I've met some moms that actually Mm -hmm. stayed in toxic relationships because they didn't have the economic viability to move out and be on their own. Right, and Mm -hmm. and to. I'm thinking of in particular, both of them were just like, I love being a homemaker. That's all I want to do. And I'm like, that's great. The in every Kintopia is going to need that, you know? Um, because yeah. I, love, yeah. I love working. I've worked since I was 14. I love what I do. I love the gifts that I get to share with clients. I don't want to be a homemaker, but I definitely yeah like value and know that we need more moms like that. And so I also see Kintopia as, um, you know, domestic violence survivors being able to leave really toxic, harmful, harmful mm. uh, situations and being like, okay, I'm going to apply for, you know, being the Kintopia, um, um, like nanny. And, you know, you get to, I'm very big on like, mm. you Bring their kids, um, and they would get it. It would be a job for them, but it would also be um, home. Yeah, for them. Yeah. And so I think that also creates such a yeah. synergy around like, wow, well, we get to, we do get to, you know, live our best lives, live our bliss.
1: Yeah, if this. you had a collection of seven or ten people, then there's a lot of room for roles. There's all kinds of yeah. niches yeah. to be to, uh, for, so, for people to participate in that in different totally. ways. That's a great idea. Totally.
2: Well, even like you were saying, like the, the single dad that you lived with who came in and would wrestle with Jaden um, mm-hmm. and fill that role that you were like, not, in, you're like, I'm not going to wrestle with you. Like, <laughs> no, um, there's. I know, absolutely not.
0: I'm like, but stop climbing yeah. on me. I really don't like it. Right.
2: Right. And there's, and there's, there's so much value too in, in kids growing up with people with healthy role models and trusted adults, um, who fill different roles so that they get to see the array of differences Mm -hmm. in people and how people are come together and work together as a team. And there's different strengths and weaknesses. And the kids learn that they can go to different adults for different questions or things that need fulfilled. Maybe like you're terrible at math and Jaden's going to need help with math homework. And there's a parent in the house who is great at math. Like, cool. Like you help my kid with math. I'll help yours with English or whatever, you know?
1: Diversity is good. You know, different genders, different skill sets. Yeah. That's, that's a terrific uh, model.
0: And the one thing, so when people say, Oh, you're living with that many people must be, that's scary. When you have a space that's big enough, like I currently live in the in a five bedroom, two bathroom house that has two living, uh, well, a living room and let's say like a den, um, and uh, we have this mm. shared office space, um, and then um, I I only I share it with. Three other single moms. So each mom has uh, their own room. The kids have a shared kids room. Uh, currently, we all live with boys that are under the age of eight, so it works out. And then, um, but ultimately, like if it, if kids are younger, gender wise, they, they they it's been fine to share rooms. But as I had, I yeah. learned from living with a an eleven year old girl, and then we had two younger boys that it would have been nice for her to have her own room, you know. And so I'm thinking about all of yeah. these. puberty is that I've had over the past four years and then intentionally creating. And that's going to be the biggest difference is this crowdfunding campaign is to intentionally create, um, a co-living community that is spacious and big and has this nice big kitchen and has lots of different gathering spaces for us and is, you know, four stories, you know, tall and has a basement playground and, you know. I'm yeah. getting super creative and I'm also super open to like other ideas. So if any listeners are like, we love this and we have thoughts, send them my way. Yeah.
2: In other cities, like, cause, cause I think you mentioned earlier in the conversation, you're looking at other locations for doing this. Yeah. Are you, are you looking outside of LA, you know, like, like if you were to expand your wildest dreams, you know, setting up Kentopias in all over the U S in different yeah, cities. I, I can also, see this
0: being huge. I've been consulting with single moms, um, to, to create like this is Kentopia is the first iteration of, um, us, uh, acquiring property and, and building more homes like this. But prior to, to this, yeah. Kentopia, I was doing more consulting with single moms to create their own uh co-living communities and like using all of my um, you know, templates for leases and interview questions and whatnot. And so um mm-hmm. I uh, I've had moms that are uh that are doing this in that I've helped consult in Portland, in the Bay Area, in Seattle, um, and in New York. And I would love for there to be Kintopias literally all over the world. I think it would be also such a beautiful yeah uh way to bring about the idea of like you know kinship like and i am deeply i love the idea of um raising my son as a global citizen right and so no better way to do that than have kintopia's everywhere
1: mm. yeah the yeah. diversity helps i can see i can see a, a cooperative i'm no business guy but but uh or if you could get this uh going in areas that uh were a A uh, DCFS or, you know, some kind of already existing set of services would uh, Mm. lead the way and provide resources to them, Mm. you know, would help you would help that spread because it's a need that's everywhere in the country. Now, the trick is how to how to roll it out and finance the property. And it, it requires something. All these things you were saying, it requires somebody who's lived in it. Or, you know, there, there are certain skills to get it started up. A lot of single mothers, a lot of individuals are not going to be prepared to do mm-hmm. what you're doing mm-hmm. uh, and to take that on some way to facilitate that from afar uh, consulting or something. There's just all that's a that's a great idea that fits such a need in society. And and I uh, I wish you all the best in figuring out how how to get that all over the country. That sounds really exciting.
0: Yeah. And I love that you mentioned, um, you know, organizations and departments like DCFS, right? Um, So many times, single moms, we are, um, you know, put in the position to have these systems be in our lives. Sometimes the systems can be supportive and maybe give us access to resources and support, but nine times out of 10, they are not supportive. They are harmful and they don't, you know, they don't end up. And I'm a social worker, right? Like I, I, I deeply believe that we need social work. We need social workers to keep kids safe. And we also need social workers to have more resources dedicated towards making sure that kids stay with the exactly. parents than resources to take kids out of homes. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, exactly. I can can cultivate, um, so this is my idea for like structure. I love that you mentioned business stuff. So I'm super, I'm a super nerd when it comes to business stuff. And so I've consulted with like nonprofit and for-profit clients for grants. And I get questions about Kentopia. Well, how are you structuring it? Is it going to be a nonprofit? Is it going to be a for-profit? And I'm yeah. really interested in the ideas of um, hybrid models, right? And before 2012, um, there didn't exist a, um, like this, uh, 2012, we saw the benefit corporation rise, right? Which is, you can now have a corporation, but it can have a triple bottom line of people, planet profits. Um, and so I would open it as a benefit corporation. And then I'm also thinking about the nonprofit side of doing programming for moms, right? Like the spa days, the, um, the financial investing courses. So you're living here, but you're taking these financial investing courses, these home buying courses to set you up for becoming a homeowner yourself. I'm deeply Mm -hmm. committed to uh, leverage Mm -hmm. leverage Kintopia to make sure that more single parents not only exit out of poverty, but leave a a legacy of generational wealth for our kids. Um, I no longer, having been raised by a single mom myself, I no longer want moms to moms or single dads or you know grandmas that are raising their grandkids to struggle yeah. i don't want that to be our you know the uniqueness yeah. of our families means that we have to live in struggle i think kentopia can be yeah. a vehicle for collective thriving and collective wealth and generational wealth building
1: i agree i agree it's a way out of this uh, uh the mess we've got ourselves in with raising kids and, and mm-hmm. broken families
2: And you're, you're creating, you've mentioned this word a couple of times, and I really want to highlight the longevity of what you're doing. And you've related that to your restorative justice work, um, in the past. And I think that you are carrying that torch forward with this and serving a population that, um, has maybe been overlooked for it. I think that there's a lot of, um, there are government resources. There, are, there are you know uh, women's shelters for domestic abuse sufferers, and there are um, there are some social services in place for very specific uh, populations, but one, they're always overcrowded. There's never enough. Mm -hmm. Um, and two, like you said, they're not always really, truly in service to thriving. Um, and it's, it's more about like, we've got to check the boxes. We have got to get these, you know, people processed and things in and then out. And, um, it's still, they're still usually living, living in some level of poverty. Mm -hmm. And, um, I've worked, I did it. I've done some social work, um, with adults with disabilities for a few years. I worked for an agency. Um, I've worked with foster children and I've worked, um, for a couple of years with, uh, kids in juvenile detention centers, um, mm-hmm. and learned a lot. I also took some restorative justice, criminal justice in a uh, college, actually, now that I'm I think that memory just flashed. Um, <laughs> um, but talking about how the systems of punishment, right. Locking people up, punishing people, um, you know, and I'm not advocating for letting murderers and, you know, rapists and terrible people run free, but there is, you know, there are so many levels of mistakes that can be made, um, or situations that kids especially are born into, um, mm-hmm. and repeat cycles because they don't, know any better. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, they've been, they were literally just born into it and that's all they know. And that's all they see. And the way to break that cycle is to teach them a different way, not to continue the cycle with punishment, shame, guilt, um, all of these things, but to actually help them heal, show Mm -hmm. them a different way. Um, And I feel like that and and that's that type of rehabilitation. They've they've shown that that actually transforms people um, mm-hmm. and helps them change their lives for the better for long periods of time. Versus um, mm-hmm. recidivism rates, which are still just insanely high. People who get out of prison or out of detention centers or whatever, like they reoffend. I think the last st- statistic I saw was ninety three percent
0: reoffend. Yeah. I don't They're know if that's still out.
2: accurate. But
0: in certain places, re,
2: rehabilitation and teaching healthy habits and and like real skills, real life skills, is always going to trump um, just the processing of systems. Just to say that we checked the box and did the thing.
0: Mm-hmm. And the return on investment. So how much it costs to incarcerate yeah. a child in this country right? is enormous. Um, it's, a I don't know. it's a business. It's a business. It's a business, and it um, it creates an economy, right? Like, because you have these jails, you have these prisons. Now you need the uh, more. In the nineteen seventies, they were they there were political scientists that were saying we're not going to need prisons soon enough. And then we had Uh mass incarceration and the drug uh, prohibition and all the uh, all these manufactured uh like war on drugs, crime. right? And <laughs> some it, some would could, like, argue that was a you know, racism like thing. There's too. been a, a yeah. criminal like um blow-up of what what we can what is considered like in a penal code today that could you uh, you can get incarcerated for wasn't considered a crime in the nineteen seventies. There's all yeah. these things that like now that we have it, um I like to talk about the prison industrial complex it operates like a hotel. So now yeah, yeah. that you have the beds, you fill the beds by a- passing more yeah. and more policies. And yeah. it is, it becomes this myth of criminality. Um, yeah. So yeah. I could get into all things justice all day. But Well, um, and
2: we could even like literally everything that, that you're saying, you know, is, everything that we're teaching on this podcast about relational parenting is mm-hmm. that you are held you are you are held accountable um, high to high standards as children, right. Parents are holding their children to high standards, um, and expectations, but there's also Mm -hmm. a level of like empathy and understanding and child development and like what a child's actually capable of doing at a given age and, um, how we respond to them teaches them how to respond to the world. So if you see your, like, if you're punishing and shaming your child all the time and you see them reflecting that back to you by yelling at you, talking back to you, screaming at you, disagreeing with you, rebelling against you. Like Mm -hmm. you need to look in the mirror. Like that, like Mm -hmm. what you're doing is what they're going to do back to you. And so, um, it's similar. Like we teach our kids how to repair. We, by showing them when Mm -hmm. we mess up, we're going to repair with you. We're going to apologize. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about, you know, what I did and and what I could have done better, um, and how I could have responded to you better and how I'm going to do it better next time. Um, and there's Mm -hmm. forgiveness and acceptance of like your humanness and the mistakes that you make, right? Because I'd rather Mm -hmm. this child makes their mistakes here in the safety of childhood for the, for 18 years and has that place to learn and overcome and become an adult who can go out into the world and not make these huge, life-altering mistakes. But if they're just shamed and punished the whole time they're growing up, then they're not going to have any tools for going out into the world and not making those mistakes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I there's, there's, there's is, just so that, many parallels.
0: Yeah.
1: One, has, one aspect um, I like about so, this is uh, it can heal uh, that. Patrice
0: colors wrote a book. Um, I'm forgetting what it's called all of a sudden, but it's basically talking about Oh, the abolitionist handbook. And so Patrice Cullors wrote the the abolitionist handbook Mm. and it talks about bringing abolition into everyday practices. And so it's, there's key examples of parenting, um, with, through an abolitionist lens. It's so much easier as a parent to, to be like, oh, you messed up. You go to the corner. You messed up. Uh, you, uh, go upstairs to your room. That's exactly what we do as a system. Baby Um, jail. The prison, yeah. You messed up. You get you get kicked out of community for a little bit. Yeah. And the more uh what we've what we've come to know that's the more um healing, reparative, and ultimately successful way is relational parenting and coming and, you know, talking to our our children about, you know, the behaviors. What was the context of the I'm really big on behavioral intervention and understanding the context mm-hmm. in which they chose different behaviors, right? Like my mm-hmm. son um, at school, he, he pushed a teacher. And so I was like, wow, like that, that's not, that's not him on an everyday basis. Like it would be really helpful for me to understand what was going on so I can talk Mm -hmm. to him about it. And so when I talked to the teacher, she said, oh, he was having a really hard time doing his numbers and his letters. And he wanted to get up and go play, but it wasn't playtime. And so, um, Mm -hmm. That was the the reason. And so when he was able, understanding that context, when he was able to get home, I talked to him about, you know, being mindful and sitting in a chair and doing his breathing exercises and, you know, using the tools that really help him stay calm and centered and focused so that regulated. he knows like, okay, the faster I get these numbers and letters done, the faster I can go play. Um, yeah. And so that, that behavioral intervention becomes an essential But making sure that we are not like othering our kids and being like you go over there, like you're the problem, and instead being like you're not a problem. Your behaviors are just not what we would; they're not conducive to what we really want. And let's talk about them. Let's explore and let's get some new behaviors, some new tools, some new interventions that are going to help you actually get what you really want. You want to go play. You don't want to be in timeout. So it creates win win
2: the emotion behind. So the, the situation, like the, you know, explaining that he was frustrated, you know, he was having a hard day, um, is really helpful. And then also asking, like asking him, cause there's always an emotion or a need behind a behavior. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's, not always just about like, we need to change this behavior, but we need to look at what emotion was he feeling and okay, what tools can we now, like you were talking about the breathing, like what tools can we give him to use instead of pushing a teacher to move Mm -hmm. that frustration out of his body? Like, okay, he's having an emotion, energy in motion, um, in that moment. And, you know, sounds like, Hey, were you really frustrated that you couldn't go play? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, you know, I was okay. Here are some things that we can do to move that frustration out of your body instead of pushing a teacher, because that is not a socially acceptable behavior. You're causing harm. And and we don't do that in community. We don't cause harm to, to one another. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Dad, you were starting to say something a minute ago. What were you saying?
1: um once upon a time i knew a uh, a uh, youth uh, probation officer and yeah. she helped me rewrite there was a there was an athletic code that i thought was pretty its punitive what you were talking about before the athletic code was like all you do these things and all it did is punish and say okay you you know you can't play in four games or something there was no element of restitution to it the, the restorative yeah. justice thing and i and i modified the existing athletic code and everybody hated it this was in small town america hmm. but Getting past, getting people, a lot of people to go from a mindset of punishment is what we need to restoration, restitution, that kind of healing. Let's make the world a better place. I've found that can be a real hard sell in places, whereas it's very obviously going to create a better world. Yeah. You know, in the long term, people, a lot of people don't like to look at, yeah, this kid's causing trouble because he's from a bad home and they're not interested in fixing the bad home. They're just interested in being judgmental. So I'm the upshot is I'm looking at this Kentopia thing as that. I think this has a real shot improving, improving, improving the. Uh, the living circumstances of kids and the parenting of the kids and stuff is a way to sneak in and make, and make the world a better place that way, you know, till that's more common. I think coming in, coming in with a thing like Kentopia is a great idea towards alleviating that and And it's going to take, it's going to take years and years and years, but I think those are the kind of the real social evolution things that, that, that uh, that have an effect long-term.
0: So I always say it's not a great conversation mm. unless I cry. And doing wow. this work, I cry at least once, <laughs> you know. And I always tell clients like, "Don't worry, I will likely cry when we were working together because I'm so inspired by like what you're doing, what we're working on." Um, uh-uh. But thank you for that reflection, Rick. I think that that is, and also thank you for the work that you did to you know, lead this movement towards care, towards restorative justice, towards we are not going to incarcerate our way out of problems. We have to do better as a society. We have to care enough about people to make a difference, make a change. And the more we try to shun people, the more we try to, you know, get them out of, you know, as long as I can't see it, it doesn't exist is Mm -hmm. not a solution. We cannot yeah. incarcerate our way out of poverty. We cannot incarcerate our way out of the housing crisis. We cannot incarcerate our way out of problems, the social problems. We have to care enough about people to see, okay, what actually works? What is the data showing us? What is research showing us? And time and time again, having programs that are care-based around education, mental health, talent development, Um and ultimately, like, uh, Cornell West has this saying of um, justice, like, you can know it's justice when it looks like love. I'm butchering the quote, and I love his quote, mm. so I'll forgive you, Dr. West. Um, but the, the close, I, I don't have all the solutions, but I know the barometer I will use to judge the, or to um, say if we are closer to justice or not is, does it look like love? And Mm -hmm. I can guarantee you without a shadow of a doubt, having, having done this work for 20 years, the closer the solutions look like love, the closer we are to a more just and humane and system of, of, of care that will ultimately work, that will not cost a fortune and that will really help us collectively thrive. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> keep at it S- stay practical that's the hard part you yeah. know the the there's a lot of substance abuse people that uh, would benefit from substance abuse don't get uh, counseling don't get it because it's expensive there are a lot of things are being mm-hmm. ex- are expensive and you exploring emily you exploring all of these ways to make these things happen you know without needing government input without needing to convince a bunch of people just it's a business. It's a whatever it, uh, you know, self-sustaining that I think that's the way it's going to work. I think you're on yeah. something.
0: I mean, I'm just super grateful to have incarnated at a time when we have the internet, mm-hmm. when we have options like crowdfunding, yeah. so the the yeah. collective um resources to make a vision like this possible. So I'm, yeah. I'm just forever grateful. Um, and I love the idea of, you know, I think it, the, this hybrid idea of it can both be a, you know, benefit corporation and it can be, uh, have elements of a nonprofit. Um, and the mm-hmm. nonprofit for all of the programs for like the kids and programs for the adults living in the, in the home. Um, and I also deeply believe that. Um, share like not just shared communal living where everybody has this is at the same level like i i think um what's worked well really worked well what's worked really well here is having moms that are at different levels like i've had a mom that was mm. just um starting like different levels in our career different levels in our income and i deeply believe that all like all tides raise all boats like we can help yeah. each other Get to like our best next level and that level of care and support and help. There's um, a mom that I lived with that um, she ultimately moved out because she um, got in a relationship, but there was a time when like she, she was just like, no, no, like I'm not giving up M, like I'm not going to give up my mommy. And so it really made <sighs> her part, like, she pulled out all the stops to be like, no, like, we're going to get married. Like, I'll make this worth your wild. Um, and so I also <laughs> think that it's, you know, Kentopia can also be like, you know, at some point with like families. Like, you know, there yeah. are going to be like, it's nothing is ever perfect. Humans are messy. And so I don't yeah. exactly know how this will play out. I just have the infinite abundant trust in relational in social work like relation like yeah. in social work, you learn two things. One, relationships are everything. And two, to trust the process. And so yes. I'm just having this massive trust of, of this vision and this massive trust of I know people well enough and skill people skills well enough to yeah. combat any anything that can happen.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. That's what relationship
0: skills Give
2: you is the ability to to navigate anything, anything mm-hmm. life has to throw at us. We can navigate through relationship, healthy relationship skills. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. that's the uh, that's the lone wolf dies, and the pack survives. <laughs> Thing <laughs> The diversity in the, I always go to these horrible metaphors, uh, the diversity, like sibling rivalry, having not, having no two people in the group that are identical, they're not competing for the same niche, you know, sounds like a really good, really good methodology that, uh, so you don't get, you, you get, you get more, you get more diversity, uh, amongst the people, more sharing of, uh, skill sets. Mm-hmm. I
0: love that. Yeah. just.
1: Okay, so I just thought of the quote as it should be,
0: uh, the Cornell West quote yeah. is "Justice is what love looks like in public," and so the more that we're oh. able to see these hmm. systems reflect love, the more that we're able to. And I deeply believe that, like, and after reading Adrienne Marie, Marie Brown's book, that, that as we're able to create fractals of them, it's proof yeah. points of like, okay, these fractals can, can then connect, and that's what creates the systems. And I, am yeah. in the grant work that I do. I create a lot of programs. Like it's, it's doing program development, grant writing, go hand in hand. And it's doing program development around like the innovation of if not prisons, then what, and why I started my business mm-hmm. was, um, I wanted to be able to have something to point to, like, if not prisons then look at these. 30 amazing brilliant clients that I had this year that are doing incredible work to end mass incarceration and create systems of care that are much more conducive to helping people never go back to a life that you know is harmful to them and community um, and it, yeah. it it it's the best <laughs> yeah
1: good work yeah. good work making the world a better place
2: I love it. I love it. Um, it had me on here crying again, you know? Yeah, I always. I'm a crier too. I. Uh, yes. Okay. I. This has been amazing. I don't. I always hate having to cut us off and end things. Um, but we are. We're at our over our hour. Um, huh. But Emily, this has been absolutely beautiful. I think that. Mm-hmm what you're doing is, is absolutely world changing, um, especially for the population that you're serving that needs, that needs these services that needs this, this community that's lacking in their lives, because there are so many of us, um, who, who just don't have that community, um, and who end up going it alone. And, um, community is one of your, one of your values. It's one of mine. It's one of ours here at relational parenting. We talk about getting parents, the support that they need, um, parents deserving, you know, to have their cups filled to sharing community with one another, uh, in order to show up as the best version of themselves, um, you know, to eliminate the guilt and shame of parenting, um, mm-hmm. and to offer the skills to fill the cup, to, to be able to, you know, create the family that they dream of, and so
1: um,
2: I just so appreciate what you're doing, and for you being here today to share it with with our audience.
1: Yes,
0: thank you so much for the time. And you know, I think people talk about it. It takes a village to raise kids, right? And so Kintopia oh. is really insulating people and in building that village, That village, and so yeah. I hope a lot of people will be inspired and will donate to the crowdfunding campaign and stay in yes. touch all of their feedback ideas, like, you know, businesses aren't built just one person. So I also want to lean into community of folks that are of your listeners that are inspired by this. Please keep in touch.
2: Yeah. Reach out. Um, Emily will put all of your links in the show notes um, Mm -hmm. where they can find you, where they can reach out for the crowdfunding campaign, um, where they could get in touch with you, offer their ideas or ask questions as well. Um, and yeah. All right. Thank you, Jenny. Rick. Thank you. you. All right. Happy parenting and good luck out there, everybody. Well, did you learn anything new or have you heard all of this before? Do you agree with us? Disagree with us? Have a question? We want to see you in our inbox or via the Patreon page in the show notes Tap on either link to send us your feedback, share your own parenting story, or support our mission of providing a connected community for all parents. And don't forget to hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. If you loved this episode, click on that little star and give us five of them so we can get visible to other parents who are looking for us. This is your weekly reminder. Parents, you already have everything you need inside of you. You are a strong, loving, capable parent. And here, you are never alone. I'll see you next week.